0: Marion, you are definitely a trailblazer, a role model to so many here in Detroit and abroad. I think that we should talk about your journey and how you got started. So many of us look to you as that role model, but I would like to know, and maybe our audience would like to know, how you were introduced to music.
1: Well, um... That's a that's a, uh it's a great question. Well, one one of the things I like to always say is that um, parents must play music for their children. And I was really, really very, um, uh, very fortunate that my parents were both music lovers. My dad was actually a kind of a closeted piano player. He was actually really, really good, but he didn't really want want folks to know. But every once in a while, he'd sit down and play the blues, and he was just. Just fabulous. My parents were uh, Herbert Hayden and Marion uh, Ford Hayden, and later Thomas, because after my dad passed, my mom got remarried. But they were both just really big lovers of music. So my dad was a huge jazz lover. He had all kinds of jazz records to listen that he listened to and that I accessed. Uh, They were just in the sphere of our house all the time, just you know, just Miles Davis and Oscar Peterson just floating through the airwaves. And my mother was more of a lover of um, more of a classic American songbook. So I remember that she had a a record of uh, Gershwin's music, and she used to play Gershwin around the house all the time. And so there was always just a lot of music to be absorbed uh, for for uh, for uh, for me as a young person. And uh, also I have, a, I have a brother that's younger than me, uh, younger than I. And so we both listen to a lot of music in the house. And I think that's enormously important in terms of how that's the, really being a first step in terms of young people getting exposed to music. You get exposed to things right in your, in the comfort of your own environment. And so by the time I uh, finally got to be the age of eight or nine, when I was in my, my little elementary school, and they asked me if I wanted to play an instrument, uh, and cello was a possibility because I was kind of a tall girl, and I, I didn't couldn't see myself playing a little violin, love those, but I needed something bigger. And as uh, soon as I got that cello, I was I was back at the house actually trying to play some jazz on the cello. And then finally, when I figured out that it was going to be a little hard to do, and I got a bass, because actually I wanted a bass first, but they didn't have any small basses. But when I got big enough to play bass, which was about 12, then I just took my bass to the basement and started playing along with records because the those that was the music that was in my ear and i just loved it so much so that's that's really how i got started and then i will also say that my parents were beautiful and they never told me that i couldn't do something so they never put any kind of um, limitations on what would what what i might like to do if i wanted to play the bass they just got me a basement especially when i got really serious about it they went and bought me one and they didn't say well don't play jazz so I just continued to do what what was uh what was in my heart and what was in my ears and what I loved
0: can you talk about how the jazz culture in Detroit
1: influenced you as a musician oh yes I I'm, I'm always glad to talk about that well you know especially I'll just say this in the playing of the Playing of my instrument in particular, it's really important to have really good foundational training. And which, uh, when I think about it, I think classical classical training is really good for that because you, you're going to get all kinds of really great technical information. You're going to learn how to read. You're going to learn how to you know play up and down properly in the positions, to play play correct intonation, uh, and uh, and just address the the, the bass uh, properly so that you don't have you know for poor uh, problems with, uh, uh, you know, bad posture and those kinds of things. But when it gets to jazz, you really do need to be able to hook into the community that plays it. And so luckily Detroit has had such such a rich and expansive community of players and so many genres of the music too. I mean, you know, I'm talking, you know, Ragtime, New Orleans... You know, early bebop. Uh, you know, more uh, hard bop. All the all the different, more more avant-garde free jazz. Just so many different ways, uh, so many different genres of the music, and so many different ways that people play. Uh, plus, when I we were talking about you know Motown R&B kinds of things, and so I was really fortunate when I was about about maybe about I wasn't long on the instrument. I'm gonna say maybe maybe tw- maybe thirteen or fourteen. Uh, my father took me to a program called Metro Arts. And so Metro Arts was a summer jazz program. And every day, this was when I first met some people who would become my mentors and a lifelong uh, lifelong mentors and friends, and also young, younger people my age that would also be lifelong friends. So that was where I met people like Harold McKinney, Marcus Belgrave, uh, George Davidson, Wendell Harrison, and um, I think I believe that uh, Ray McKinney, who was Harry McKinney's brother, who was also a bass player, they were all teachers in this in this um, youth dance program. And so uh, several of us went and we would just go every day and we had ensembles and we'd listen to music. We'd get up and start playing. Um, I think initially I didn't quite know what I was doing, but I really loved it because I just really loved the music. And so um, over time, I began to understand more and more and more of what this of what this was and uh, and you know that was my first uh, my first time ever seeing a, um, a, uh, what what we call a lead sheet, you know the, the music that we used to work from in, in terms of improvising jazz and um, and then sometimes I didn't have any music at all. so luckily, I was a person. Uh, that I always I've always had a pretty good memory, so I would just internalize things that they told us, different uh, lines, or uh, listen to the music and be able to be able to play it back. And this was uh, this was just tremendous for me. It just opened up an entire world of music. Uh, I already I already loved the music, but it also opened up the world of how you play it. You know, because before then, I was basically just kind of taking things off the record, but I didn't really know exactly what I was doing. Now this kind of interest in, uh, gave me a more organized way of understanding how, you know, how the music actually gets played. And um, that was um, that was just completely mind bending after that. Um, then, oddly enough, after that, Marcus became an re- artist in residence at Cass Technical High School uh and that was um another mind blowing thing, so there Marcus was in our midst, you know several times uh you know at least once a week, coming in and you know really showing us stuff on a you know real real personal level, just you know a few of us in the room together learning music and uh that was uh that was courtesy of one of the greatest educators I had, a woman named Marilyn Jones, Marilyn Jones, who thought, taught theory at Castech. Who was also a lifelong friend of mine. You know, these association with with your music teachers are just—they're just lifelong. They really are. So all of these uh, opportunities to. To become involved and really understand the music from, from uh, from, the, um, from a from a really authentic way. I mean, Marcus Belgrave with his great experience with the Ray Charles band, with the Mingus band, Wendell Harrison having toured so many years with uh, with so many great bands. All these all of these musicians were just they were just part of the um, of the musical uh, heritage of this city. And luckily, um, many of them had left town at one time. But they moved back, and that's one of the things that really, to me, has really helped sustain the legacy that we have here in Detroit all these years. Is that everyone did not leave. You had this really great cadre of musicians that stayed here, and that's they're the ones that called, that formed a foundation that every, every generations can build upon, and hopefully, the, the those of us that have stayed this time can also be a part of helping to build that foundation, you know.
0: Can you talk about forming straight ahead and what that meant to women in jazz music at that time and what it means for women today, how that has impacted women today?
1: Well... I'm glad. I'm always glad to uh, talk about my uh, my sisters and the great the great group uh, straight ahead. Well, when that that band was um, actually I definitely consider myself a co-founder because it was really put together by a, one of our fantastic vocalists who who has uh, 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 left town. She lives in New York now. and Her name is Mickey Braden, but she is a, She's a She's a vocalist. She's a producer, uh, writer. Uh, arranger she's just a woman of bass skills and at that time she was living in Detroit and she put together uh, she put together the group uh, which consisted of Alina Moore on piano the original pianist uh, Galen McKinney our drummer our original drummer uh, and uh, and me uh, on bass and then we also when um, uh, Regina Carter came back into town because Regina was out of town for a while. She was living in Germany when she came here. Then we had Regina Carter on violin in that band. And um, the band was um, it was really impactful for people, I should say. When we first started, I remember that when we did performances, people would often come up to us and say, um, have you ever heard of the International Sweethearts of Rhythm? You remind us of that band, and at that time, I didn't really know anything about them. I had to, so a couple of people had to tell me. Well, that was an all-black. Actually, it was actually it was a mixed race band from a uh, from a school down in Mississippi, Pineywood School. But they were they um, kind of left the school and just went off on their own as an all female uh, all, fe- all female big band in the 1940s, and they were killing just killing. I mean, costumes, you know, um, uh, just, you know, they, people thought that people, that some, that they were, the women were just pantomiming and that they was actually, they were actually playing records, you know, in the back or that guys were back there playing the instruments and they weren't really playing them. That's how good they were. They were just, they were just, they were just a phenomenal band and they toured all over. They did some USO tours overseas, you know, so this was, so that's what, that's the, um, that's what that's what straight had reminded people of, and so so for so many people they had not really seen women really out there playing um, instruments. Occasionally you would see you know you might if you go to church you may see some women as pianists, um, perhaps some concert pianists, but very rarely did you see them as in jazz as as much as we would like. They, they they weren't rare, but they were you just didn't see them as much. And in terms of women being playing things like drums and bass. Rarely, you just did not see it. You you see you could see women playing violin, but you did not see them in that context and playing playing jazz on the violin. So, they were they were that band was really impactful on people. And I know that you know we would come up to people would come up to me and said, I bring my I brought my daughter because I really think that she has to she has to see, um, what she has to see what uh, what women can do that a little girl can do whatever. Whatever she wants to and so that that really made us feel really good and it continues to be so now people still come up and say say you know they, of course, they bring their sons as well, because frankly. um, Young men needs to see the same thing they need to they need to continue to see women as colleagues uh, across the board colleagues in this uh, in this business. But, uh, but, uh, but I find that young women in particular have been really, really inspired. So I'm so glad that the, the band is still functioning. We did, um, we did uh, three records for Atlantic Records, which was a really big deal. And on top of that, we was, um, our contact for Atlantic Records came from one of the great Detroit Motown uh, writers, Sylvia Moy. Sylvia Moy, who was an, uh, an ASCAP Hall of Fame writer, uh, composer. Uh, was the one that uh, was able to get us our contract with Atlantic Records through her uh, through her uh, many many contacts that she had. So we were actually a, a a women's band that was also given a chance by by a, a woman who had a who had a lot of uh, industry uh, industry pull. So there's a lot of a lot of great women uh, that are in the story.
0: With all that you have accomplished co-founding member of Straight Ahead, you are an art grant recipient, a lecturer at the University of Michigan, director of combos at Oakland University. How do you continue to challenge yourself?
1: Well, um, I'll just say that first and foremost, I am a musician. First and foremost, I'm I'm a musician who speaks through the bass. That's what I am, first and foremost. And so even as much as I really enjoy being, uh, uh, being involved as an educator, and, and I felt, I feel that's actually my duty to do so. My, you know, I'm, I feel, I feel like it's my mission to be able to pass along the, um, just the, the invaluable information, understanding, love, uh, love and respect for the music that I, that was passed to me, that as an, as a, as a musician, the musician side of me, um, is always seeking to do things that are, Interesting, uh, something that is just a little bit further than my wheelhouse. Um, my wheelhouse is pretty big, but just a little bit further. Something that that maybe I didn't wasn't certain if I was going to like, but found out that I was just going to love it. Um, I I completely love doing projects like that. I completely I adore uh, sinking into um, uh, t- sinking into working on. Uh, Working on uh, new projects that will that will challenge me, uh, challenge my skill set, and um, so currently, probably my my big challenge right now is working on the music for, uh, for uh, the opera X, the life and times of, of Malcolm X by Anthony Davis, and that is currently char- uh, challenging my entire skill set. Right now, I am I'm having that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and it is fun. I am enjoying it. It's it's delicious. And it's really (laughs) it's really it's really putting me through my paces and I am just so thankful to be able to continue to um, uh, to be willing to be challenged and to challenge myself to rise to the occasion.
0: What else is on your calendar?
1: I am so I am so glad uh, that you asked me that uh, Cecilia. I've been, uh, one of one of the gems that we have in Michigan is a small venue in Ann Arbor called Carrytown Concert House, and right now I'm a part of a really great, uh, really great series that they are doing called Passing the Torch, the Passing the Torch series. And the idea for this this series is to pair an experienced musician from the community with an up and coming musician, so that such that they do a uh, they do uh, Two concerts together, and I was um, lucky enough to have with me to be paired with a fantastic young woman. I just love her so dearly. Her name is Kaylee Wilder. Kaylee Wilder is a baritone player, and so uh, Kaylee and I did a uh, we did a concert in November, which uh, we just we had just a, a just a. Such a great time putting it together. It came out so really well. And so then the second one that we're doing for the Passing the Torch series is in May. I believe it's May the uh, 17th. Tuesday, May the 17th at 7 o'clock. And I'd love to encourage everybody to come out. We also will have with us uh, a couple of other uh, really, 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 really great artists. It'll be a, it'll be a uh, just a wonderful evening of music. And also within this evening, there's also a little interview, which is really, which is really great. So we have a, just a short time to kind of uh, talk, talk with each other in front of the, in front of the audience. So that even makes it a little more special.
0: Can you talk about what the future of
1: jazz in Detroit looks like to you? Mm. I think the future of jazz in Detroit is really looking completely rosy. So great. Um, I know I'll just I'll just say this, that a lot of the nuts and bolts of jazz education has uh, gone from the community where it was when I first learned into academic institutions and uh, it's and there's some really great things that are happening there in terms of in terms of getting giving um, giving young musicians a good baseline of knowledge, and understand getting giving them time to really work on their craft hone their craft uh, technically on their instrument, and getting uh, just uh, getting some some really good uh, information about improvisation, and then really luckily we have we still have a really active. Community of musicians that lives here. So once they get that information, they can take that back out into the community and really engage with each other and with uh, with those of us who are more experienced, in uh, in really learning what this music is actually all about. And uh, I am I am really really pleased with the the, the young folks that I see coming up. Um, I think they are you know, they are uh, they are really embracing traditions in a really a way that I think is important. I think that that you can you can you should every uh, every generation has to push the ball forward, move uh, move and uh, move into new spheres. But I think also pushing the ball forward um, means that you have to have something you have to have something to push from. You have to the traditions are the things that give you um, that give gravitas to what you are pushing. You have to. So, if you have know something of the tradition, then you can. You have something that you can open up, that you can open up uh, from. And I think that that a lot of the musicians are really coming with just a, just a really great. Uh, really great uh, understanding of the traditions. They're trying to they're trying to reach for it. They reach out to to me and others, the of, of my our great community, and say, hey, you know, have, can you know can you play with us? We reach out to them. We bring them onto the stand with us. We want you we want you to play, you know. And when I when I get young folks on the stand with me, it actually is a two way street. I mean, they are they are getting something something from me, but I definitely am getting something from them. I am. I'm absorbing their, uh, the different ways that they may hear music uh, in a different way that I've been here listening to for years, and maybe they hear it com- with new ears, and it's it's so refreshing. So um, I just think. I think we're doing. I think we're doing really well here. i I'm. I I feel very. I feel very optimistic about, about jazz in Detroit. Very optimistic.
0: You are definitely a part of a strong foundation, and the next generation, they're standing on the shoulders of giants like yourself and the women of Straight Ahead and those that were before you, Mr. Rogers, Mr. Belgrave, Mr. McKinney, and we're just so grateful for you, for all that you have done, and for, that, for the things that you continue to do. Do you have any parting words for our
1: audience? Starting words would be support live music, support live music, any, all kinds of live music, but support live music. Come out, come out when you hear that folks are going to be someplace support, uh, come out and come out and hear music. And if you cannot be there buy a ticket anyway,
0: my guest has been Mrs. Marion Hayden, bassist and educator. Thank you so much for spending time with me today.
1: It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for for um, having me, Cecilia. This is it's a wonderful show. It's so great talking with you, and I really I really appreciate being here. Thank you so much.